0: You doing Ed, that's a bit Alan Partridge actually. <laughs> and, yeah, I not almost said Alan Partridge there, but um, anyway. <laughs> well, it's kind of true. They are essentially they have the morphed same person. into one, haven't they? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm doing very good, thank you. Very very good. Much better after yesterday's result. A fine performance from United there. I thought just just uh, top quality in possession and control, which Van Hal will have liked. Uh, he talked about that a lot after the Arsenal game. Um, very Van Hal moment after the Arsenal game where he spent about five minutes talking about. Uh, the possession stats and pass completion rates and stuff like that. And we were like, mate, you've just been tanked 3-0, but much better uh, after Everton United uh, winning 3-0 and just uh, probably the finest performance of the United season so far.
1: Yeah, since we've last talked about Manchester United in a forum that is recorded United have given their worst and best performances of the season, and have an aggregate score of three all. Um. Yeah, right. And in
0: fact, you could you can make the same sort of comparison with Van Gaal. I thought uh, his he, everything he tried against Everton paid off, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, even the substitutions. Uh, and against Arsenal, probably his worst moment as a United
1: manager. Just nothing quite went right, uh, and he made some very poor decisions. He did, and um, I guess let's just briefly touch upon this. Everyone's given their two pence worth, but we're we'll just chucking ours. Uh, why not? I mean, it's the same stuff that everyone said. Really, the combination of Carrick and Schweinsteiger set up to press against Arsenal was uh, bizarre. Uh, Rooney didn't do his pressing job properly, leaving an enormous amount of space. Schweinsteiger kind of just lost all discipline. Um, and instead of sitting back deep and hitting Arsenal on the break, uh, United just left a load of space in behind and yeah. Arsenal uh, shredded them. And a couple of pretty bad individual performances too, some not surprising and some like Matteo Damian a little more surprising. Yeah, uh, fair summary I think. Uh, the, the odd
0: thing, I mean uh, a few people pointed out after the game, uh, Schweinsteiger's age and I think there's some commentary about uh, how he's you know on the down slope. I thought that was a little unfair. Because uh, he was majestic against Everton, so uh, let's come to that in a bit. But um, the the really odd thing was this this uh, this positioning of Schweinsteiger up the pitch. Did he lose all discipline, or was that the role he was asked to play? It's, it's not quite clear, is it? But uh, really, really high up the pitch, trying to win the ball in the final third. It was uh, it was the gengen pressing of uh, Borussia Dortmund and
1: now Liverpool. It was, but but you just don't gengen press Arsenal, do you? There's just no need. You just let them do their thing in front of you. and then Basically, the way you play against Arsenal is the way you're supposed to play against us.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, the way you play against Arsenal was set when Phil and Gary Neville kicked um, Antonio Reyes all over Old Trafford, right? You know, you, you kick them all over the place. Uh, you let them have the ball. Uh, then you you beat them up a little bit in midfield and you hit them on the break uh, and it works every single time
1: and United got that completely wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And they were unable to do anything uh, in an attacking sense when they were dominant in possession. The only person that came out of that game with any credit for United, Anthony Martial. But uh, you think that could have been a lot different if Arsenal uh, hadn't had Petr Cech in goal, who did very well to save Martial's save at the end there. And that's I guess you could count that towards the points total that Czechs supposed to earn them this season, because I think if 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 United had scored right on the stroke of half time and now it's three one, everything starts to look a bit different, and Arsenal are famously flaky, aren't they? So, but yeah, anyway, that that was horrible, uh, as Van Gaal said in his pre match and post match press conferences. Uh, he meant he used the word horrible he really had been stewing on that defeat you could tell said they had at least 15 meetings in the week following that defeat
0: mm, i'm sure that went down with the playing staff well with the <laughs> playing staff
1: well it looked like it did didn't it because they were absolutely fantastic against everton what a performance right from the go right and uh, you know United started
0: extremely slowly at the Emirates, didn't they? And, and conversely, Arsenal extremely fast. But the other way around, at Goodison Park, United were at it straight away. Um, but it all just made so much difference, the selection. Uh, well, 10 out of 11 uh, felt about right. So S- Smalling and Jones in the centre of the park. Darmian restored to right back. Marcus Rocco came in at left back. So balance in the back four there. Um, at, you know, it was hard to... I have to say, I was looking at the... I kind of guessed the back four beforehand. I mean, there weren't too many other options, were they? But it's hard to say what order they would turn up in. So, you know, in the right order, I think. And And then in midfield, energy with Schneiderlin, who was fantastic at Everton, really, really good. I think his stock grew by not playing at Arsenal, of course supported by Carrick it's the right balance i don't think we can have Carrick and Schweinsteiger on the same side and ander herrera who not only was magnificent on the day just adds zip both to united's sort of all-round game because he's got tons of energy but just the passing he moves the ball so much quicker so a nicely balanced side united came right out of the blocks and and were great from there onwards
1: yeah and i think the midfield balance um of playing Schreinsteiger and Schneiderlin with Herrera in front of them. And then you have the either or thing with Schreinsteiger and Carrick. Um, but with Herrera, you have, you have more options really, because there's, there's running in there either way. And, and he was just absolutely superb, wasn't he? It's brilliant when a player that you've been crying out for to get into the team turns up in the team, scores a goal, gets an assist and just puts on a all-round man-of-the-match performance.
0: Yeah. He's not a natural number 10, right? He's not someone who really dictates the, the pace and tempo of a game. He's not a classic European number 10, really. Um, but he a great performance, all-round, I suppose, a modern number 10 performance. Uh, got the ball, moved it quickly, plenty of energy, scored a fine goal and everything you wanted from him the only disappointing thing I suppose about United yesterday was that Martial who's been absolutely fantastic at number nine since he came to the club whether he scores or not Um I, I suppose he's on a bit of a goal drought at the moment isn't he sort of four, four or five games at a goal was shifted out to the left where he did fine but was literally marginalized when he's United's best attacking player and and if we could just find a slightly different balance there with Martial at number nine and getting Herrera in the side. I don't know what you'd have to do to make that happen, Paul. Maybe you've got some ideas. Um, then, then I think United would be even better.
1: No, nope, I can't think of any. Yeah, Martial struggled just before the Herrera goal. He turned his ankle in a tackle. I wasn't really able to celebrate the Herrera goal until after he saw Martial up and walking around because it was like, no, this is too great a price to pay to go 2-0 up at Goodison Park. But, uh, And I think he, he looked a bit heavy on that leg uh, for the rest of that half. And I, I wasn't expecting to see him in the second half, but he, he did come out and he was much, much better in the second half. And he completed 10 successful take-ons in that game. That is a big number. <laughs> It's a really big number. It has
0: really completed 10 (laughs) successful take-ons this
1: season. No, definitely, definitely. Have I don't need to look at that. He definitely hasn't. But Coleman, Seamus Coleman, just like just woke up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat, looking around for Anthony Martial because he was not having fun against him and he was really unlucky not to end up with a goal or an assist late in that second half because he was just, he was just on fire. And and playing Martial wide left, I don't think is bad. He was man of the match there for France against Denmark in junior international break. So long as he's cutting inside a lot and so long as there's a number nine in front of him creating some space I think that could be extremely dangerous but it could be yep. Yeah. I, I mean you know I always like to play players in the the position they can
0: cause the most damage and I think right now up front is is the best mm. role for him he can certainly play uh wide left I mean as long as um typically away from home he'd be having to do a lot more defending than he did yesterday um, and and so he was effectively playing as an inside left, but that wouldn't be the case in a lot of games where he'd be tracking back all the time. So um, I, I'm not sure that's how you necessarily get the best out of him. He can definitely play there, of course. You know, he's going to play like a forward there rather than a, a midfielder. But but the problem is, as you mentioned, that that number nine creating space. And um, we we uh, we said before we started recording that we wouldn't spend too much time talking about our number nine, stroke number ten. But that was one of the Worst halves of football I'd ever seen from any footballer. Uh, it's uh, I suggested that uh, there was a new drinking game. Anytime time uh, the ball bounced off Rooney's shins when he was trying to control it, you should take a drink. And there are literally fifty people replying to me saying you'd be pissed before half time, mate. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh he, he didn't play well. He he did score, which is fantastic. His first goal at Goodison since two thousand and seven, his first goal away from home in the league for eleven months. And he did take his goal quite well, although not wishing to be mean, Tim Howard Really, really, really should have done better. He really should have stayed on his feet a bit longer. Maybe Rooney sold him or something with with the eyes. But yeah, uh, but his all-round play was was pretty poor.
0: Well, the the thing with Howard is he has a reputation for that. Remember the the discussion during the last World Cup about Howard lying down for goals. So there you go. So maybe Rooney... Uh, knew that
1: and just lifted it over but uh, yeah Howard basically lay down on the ground and said please chip me yeah and Rooney will always love to do that Um, and yeah he did uh, there was a a couple of other nice touches um, but generally speaking you know lots of attacks break down when they run through him the weight of his passings all over the place on a lighter and more pleasant note with Rooney uh, not booed before the game
0: No, true. Barely worth booing him, though.
1: That's the thing. Okay, (laughs) I don't. That's that is definitely the cynical take on it. But I don't think it was that. I think it was a combination of um, he was given a standing ovation at Duncan Ferguson's uh, testimonial. Uh, So I think some definitely some bridges been rebuilt there. There was even a a tiny smattering of applause in the Everton end when his name was read out. could have just been a few United fans scattered in there or whatever. But it's important to say, I think, about that game that United were wonderful. But actually, Everton were really poor. And it was a very strange atmosphere. Understandable, Howard Kendall had died that same day. And you know he's the most successful manager in Everton's history, right? He's a huge figure at that club, so it was a big, a big deal. And the home fans were were absolutely silent throughout the game. Essentially, the only noise was complaining about referees' decisions. It was, you know, Old Trafford has a bad rap for uh, home fans and the noise they make, but it's never ever been that quiet. So, but Everton's performance was really flat too. Their passing was. Really, like shaky. They gave the way a ball, the ball a lot when they didn't need to, and I'm sure Martinez was. He, he described the performance afterwards as as uncharacteristic, negative, and reactive in the first half. And I think all those things were were pretty accurate. They they really were terrible. They were,
0: yeah. Um. So a, a few points in there before we get off the Rooney thing. Uh, let's let's just say that they're paving the way for a Rooney return home in the summer. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Potentially. Martinez talked before the game uh, about how important the Goodison atmosphere was uh, and how um, they come out to Z cars and uh, they really get behind you and that can take you to places that uh, you want to get to. He um, talked a lot about uh, how the Goodison Grad. Uh, were really up for it against United, their biggest game, and and uh, they really weren't. And a, a lot of that, of course, has to do with the fact that United completely monopolised the game from like the first minute, and it was only really for a short period after half time that Everton really got into it at all. Um, so that's some of it to do with that. Um, and, and yeah, you know, very very reactive from Everton, I suppose. Good, good quote there after last season's game. Martinez said that everything they wanted to do. Came off, uh, and so it was almost the complete opposite. You know, Everton won 3 0 that day. Uh, United looked pretty disinterested last April, didn't they? And just everything was different today. So, a very disappointing result for Everton. They hadn't lost in six or seven games before that, so you know, they had a pretty shaky start to the season. Uh, it had got better through time. They obviously had that fantastic win over Chelsea, and, and then they, uh, they caught United at the wrong time, I guess, because uh, United were um everything that they weren't last
1: april absolutely um on united uh i've written this morning um about jones and smalling and how they should be our default center back partnership they gave a pretty good audition as to why they should play together and the blint experiment which i've i've enjoyed in large part should be kind of confined to occasional games against weaker sides particularly at home but i, I thought they were really good together and i thought jones was actually really assured yesterday he was
0: yeah and, and that's not always what you get from him right you know no um, and managed to get himself uh, not injured although he was he was bleeding within half an hour yeah yeah but bleeding you know it's like as long as there's not like thigh or knee knack somewhere in there we we're, we're alright a bit of blood's fine so yeah a uh, good um, as they were in that that string of games at the back end of last season where united won too. And and he's got to be the right partnership. He, you know, one of Jones or Rojo alongside Smalling is just a more natural central defensive partnership. They at least um, know where they are on the pitch, which is Blint's big problem. Um, and, you know, as, as assured as Blint has looked in some games, I will give you Arsenal and Southampton and Swansea as evidence that he just can't play that position and uh, we shouldn't do it ever again, you know. And and if he wants to shift out to the left-back where he had some of his best performances
1: last season, then then fine, that works too. And we've discussed this ad nauseum, but I don't think it's that it should never be tried again because against the right opposition, it's incredibly effective in terms of how the whole team uses the ball, uh, but certainly against the bigger teams away. And, and centre-back isn't a position that you want to mix up too often if you can help it. Of course, the problem is you say Jones and Smalling would be the ideal first choice partnership out of the players we've got, but really how often are they both going to be available? Rojo in there as well has the same problem. He's injured a lot of the time. Shouts f-
0: out for Rojo too. You know, he had a very good game, didn't he, at left back? It's, uh, sometimes I, I don't really like him there because he's not quite as dynamic, is he, as Luke Shaw? You know, well, nowhere near as dynamic. Um, but he's he's all right going forward and defensively he's, he's really sound. You know, every time Lukaku moved out to the right side and Lukaku was, I guess, you know, Everton's brightest Option for most of the game, even if he was pretty wasteful, um, he dealt with him. There was one great period where, um, uh, just after half time, Everton were breaking, looked a bit dangerous, and Rojo kicked the hell out of Lukaku on the the right hand side. Just flew into a tackle, got the ball, and and uh, just looked at Lukaku with a bit of disdain. Mm-hmm. You know that's what you like uh, in him. He's he's a proper proper defender.
1: Yeah. Um. Just you know, not as good attacking as Luke Shaw, but. Yeah, there are a few that are. Uh, Damian much, much better defensively, although I still think something's got to be done about his crossing. Um, but the uh, he was really good defensively, and that was fantastic to see. And it was fantastic to see Van Gaal backing Damian after the shellacking he took against Arsenal. He, that was a really... He, I, as you said earlier, Van Gaal just got every decision right. It was right to drop Memphis, but it was also right to keep playing Damien. You wonder whether Blint and Memphis partly got dropped because, as Van Gaal's total human being principle that he was talking about, they've 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 had a heck of a time in the last week, haven't they? But neither of them are in particularly good form, and and but nor was Damien, and and he was selected over Valencia, and It was it was a really good shout. Schweinsteiger, I thought, having not played very well against Arsenal, uh, very much proving that the obituaries had been written too soon absolutely magnificent against Everton. Just such a leader in that midfield. Yeah, well, a lot of talk before the game, actually, about how Schweinsteiger
0: is now the boss off the pitch as well. Right. And all the players are now looking to him. Although Ander Herrera was very effusive in his praise of Wayne Rooney after the game. Yeah, big brown nose of the ears. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, Schweinsteiger was fantastic. I think I think I mentioned earlier in the game I accidentally said Carrick and Schneiderlin started the game of course Schweinsteiger, um, who was fantastic and, and was substituted off um for his job share partner after sort of seventy minutes or so. But yeah, just total leader, um, in control of that midfield, clearly the boss Adds so much class into the into the United side, bargain of the
1: season, undoubtedly. Yeah, absolutely. Um when Herrera scored, Martial was down and everyone ran off with Herrera to celebrate, except Ryan who stayed to make sure Marcel was all right. It's like, yeah, he's a good lad. He really is a good lad. Um, Herrera does a lot of leadership too. He talks a lot during games. He's constantly talking to the players around him and pointing. It's kind of like this thing about Herrera being completely football obsessed. And you can see that it, definitely he's going to end up as a manager one day because um, he's he's always thinking about the game. And it was notable when um, Lingard came on from Mata at halftime, Herrera just immediately ran up to him, put his arm around him, started pointing and saying, right, this is what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. Get ready for this, that and the other. Mm. Yeah,
0: you're right. Yeah. Funny thing, um, Martial, when he was absolutely clattered by Coleman, um, uh, Coleman got booked. That was the most effective thing that Coleman did in... The entire game, and yeah, very big a Schweinsteiger to go up to him. And then on Herrera, totally right. I mean, Lingard came on, Herrera was first man to him and told him where to go and play. Um, and I presume that he'd had instructions of, of of where to and what to do from Van Hal anyway, but yeah, Herrera knew exactly uh, what to do. Funny thing is that Lingard came on after, what, half-time for Mata, and, and uh, that was tactical. Uh, not that Mata was having a bad game, but I guess... Van Holme wants a bit more energy, more drive going forward, and more running going back. He said, uh, which is what Lingard gave. Mm. Um, and then after the hour or so, Rooney drifted out to the right as well, and had Lingard come in and, and had a couple of chances,
1: didn't he? Not that he took. Talk- uh, no, but he delivered a couple of really good crosses. Lingard did, um, and looked like a winger playing out there. He's so tiny though. He he's just so much like he's got these little tiny twiggy legs compared to the rest of them and he's not that young but he he does kind of still look like a kid when he's out there um but he did well and and he definitely looks ready to be included in the first team picture and you know it it's that thing of everyone's a bit concerned about what's happening with with people that have come through the youth setup and it's it's nice to see Lingard involved, isn't it? From from that perspective.
0: Yeah, that record still stands. Pereira, Lingard, and and Johnston on the bench. Did, did Pereira count? Did I I, I did ask. Um... Uh, Mr Mujak on Twitter whether it counts or if they've been uh, bought in he says as long as they've played for the Academy it counts mm-hmm. bending the rules there but
1: <laughs> yeah well it does make sense doesn't it it's that that's the that is the the rule isn't it that's the record is someone that's been through the United Academy system don't have to be there since they were eight or anything to count Although it's nice when they have been in it, anyway. So that was Everton,
0: very fine all round from United, and uh, a great comeback after the Arsenal result. Real bounce back ability, and and United now second in the table, and um, you know, in touch with City, who are looking pretty ominous at the moment.
1: Yeah, I think in touch with City, in a point sense rather than a going to compete for the league sense. It was great that United bounced back so thoroughly from that Arsenal defeat, but that Arsenal defeat definitely kind of shone a spotlight on some of the flaws in the squad. And, and maybe, maybe Van Gaal's smart enough and adaptable enough that he won't make those same mistakes again. And that will be enough. But I think some of the mistakes were born of the kind of structural lack of depth in the squad and all those kind of things, which are just going to make us slightly too inconsistent to really compete. Well, I I think you're right.
0: But look, look, look at the midfield options, right? You know, Schneidlin, Schweinsteiger, Carrick, Herrera, matter if you can't find some balance with all of that talent then there's something wrong right there's something mm. desperately wrong and mm. and you know not to keep harking on but the the thing that's really hamstringing united is Rooney you know is his performances in any position um, just takes one man out of the team basically and and if United can just find a way of getting the best out of Rooney it's unlikely to happen, in my opinion. Or finding another shape that doesn't mean that Herrera sat on the bench. Then, then we'll go a long way this season. Um, the the trouble is, you know, and we've we've got two really tough games coming up away at CSK Moscow, and and uh, Manchester City, and and you just think, well, what what's he going to do there? You know, he's he's going to take United's most potent attacker and stick him on the left wing, it seems, and Rooney's going to be up front and he's going to add, like, provide no kind of focal point for the the team. Or, or he's going to, he's going to bring Memphis or Young back into the side. I guess Young's injured at the moment. Memphis back into the side and and Herrera's going to drop to the bench. Yeah. United's best player of the week. Although,
1: Van Gaal did essentially say in his post-match that Herrera, when he's playing like that, it's kind of difficult to drop him. Then he, Grinned and said, "Of course I can do it," <laughs> but that was like a power play rather than a thing. He says he's going to play him. So I'd be I'd be absolutely shocked if Herrera's fit and available for selection and doesn't play against both Moscow and City, unless somehow he's terrible in Moscow. I'm 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 pretty sure this is him in the side.
0: Right. So so what is going to happen is in Moscow, Rooney's going to be leading the line, like thirty yards away from any United player. Uh, and the ball bounce off his shins every time uh, we ask anyone to hold it up. You know, it's going to be a major weakness going going away. Major weakness.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, no n- n- no disagreement there. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're not going to win the league probably. Um, but but it's it's absolutely huge that we can come back from that defeat against Arsenal with a thumping win at Goodison, first for four seasons there. I think. We'd lost three in a row um, at Goodison in the league, so it's a, it's a really, really, really big result. And and in terms of the kind of the aim of this season, which is which is lowering the points gap on whoever wins narrowing the points gap on whoever wins the league, that was a, a very good uh, example of us of us being able to do that. Uh, so we're going to do some previews coming up, but before that, we have got a bit of rank cast business to take care of because. In the dim and distant mists of time when there was last one of these, uh, we had an interview with Jamie Jackson about his book, A Season in the Red. We did a contest where you could win that book, and someone has done that. So in second place in this competition, where you had to answer the question, why would you be a better manager than Moyes and Van Gaal? Uh, Mark underscore Grumpy Lion said he'd be a better manager than Van Gaal because he would not need to be reminded about thanking the violin lady. It was a saxophone lady. That... You cost yourself the win there, Uh, but nipping in with the win with a reference to one of my favourite stupid internet memes of all time, at Martin Forslund, says, I would be a better manager than Moyes since I'm not a cupboard. All right, Martin, if you could DM me with your address, then I will arrange to get a book sent out to you. And congratulations and thanks once again to Jamie Jackson for coming on the show. Very good. Very good. So, on to midweek and...
0: The Champions League game away at uh, Seska Moscow. It's going to be a tough one. Is it? Oh, I assume that's true. I haven't done my research yet, Ed. I'm oh, really dear. sorry. Well, here, here, let me help you out. Okay. Let me help you out. They're Russian. Yeah. And uh, yeah. they come, come from Moscow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, they've lost in six games um, since the uh, outing against Wolfsburg, where they lost in the. Uh, Yeah, previous round, round before last. The last time I looked
1: it up, they were absolutely flying in the league. Is that still the case? They are
0: absolutely flying in the league. They won at the weekend and um, a few games ago, they scored six in a 6-4 victory away from home. Uh, They've got some fine players. So Seydou Dombia, who's on loan from Roma, he's uh, banging them in at the moment and creating a lot of goals. Um, Alan Zegoyev is still their midfield creator, and of course they've got uh, Igor Akinfiv, uh who's their captain at uh, between six. You know, very fine goalkeeper. Uh, and for uh, red watches, uh, Zoran Tosic is still there.
1: Yeah, if you remember he's him. he's like an important player there as well, isn't he? He's he's a big a big part of their side. Ahmed Musa had a very good World Cup um, and scoring freely for for a CSKA. Um do you remember when Fiev was going to be our next keeper red? Yeah.
0: Um apparently he'll never leave Seska Moscow. I mean he's been linked with uh, moves abroad for some time, you know. He was he was in that team when he was like 12 or something uh, or not far off anyway. So um, uh yeah, he was one of the many players linked with United uh, on Edwin van der Sar's retirement. He was absolutely brilliant against us once. I remember that. Totally. Yeah. If you remember sort of five, six years ago, there was a, a three all uh, Old Trafford uh, in the group stages. So, uh, And we went to the Luzniki. Uh, a few Reds will have fond memories of the Luzniki about a year after that uh, win over Chelsea in the Champions League final, and and beat Seska Moscow at their place. So, yeah, played them twice, one draw, one victory.
1: They don't play at the Luznicki Stadium, though. They did when we played them. Did they? They don't anymore. They play somewhere else. They play at the Arena Kimki.
0: Yes, yes, which will be called the Arena Moscow for the 2018 World Cup in true FIFA fashion. Right. Uh, Yeah. Um, uh, Not bent at all, FIFA. Just wanted to add that. They are, though, aren't they?
1: Isn't that definitive? Aren't we allowed to just say that now?
0: Yeah, I think we are, yeah. uh, (laughs) Yeah, we're we're getting off track here, but uh, is there a FIFA vice president uh, who is not named... David Hill, uh, who hasn't taken a bribe. And David? David, have you taken a bribe? Um I've never taken a bribe. Have you ever taken a bribe, Ed?
1: Sadly, no one's ever offered me a bribe. No, me neither. So
0: I have not, my morals have not been challenged. <laughs>
1: Yeah, allegations about the 2006 World Cup, Platini getting suspended, it's all kicked off, hasn't it? I mean, it's all sort of continuing to kick off. Those allegations about the 2006
0: World Cup are not new,
1: right? right there was right. a, a report years
0: ago into um, uh, England only getting one vote in the 2006 World Cup bidding process and uh, it's, yeah, it's under the parliamentary privilege it was uh, alleged that um, contracts for weapons and all sorts have been given to... Uh, many many countries from the uh, the Germans and yeah it's just politics right it's politics so they're trading
1: votes for for weapons contracts awesome it's just so sad that f- you, the World Cup should be such a beautiful and pure thing but it isn't um, anyway uh, Euro twenty sixteen coming up the international breaks happened while while we were away um, and United managed to hold on to most of their key players during that in terms of injuries and stuff and uh, Martial. Tearing it up for France, England strolling into the Euros, and uh, <clears throat> a matter of rank. Talking of Rankcast business, Ed, I believe I've won a bet. Have you? Yeah, because on an episode of the Rankcast at some point in the past, you were extremely confident that Wales would not qualify for euro 2016 but they've made it they have yeah you know my
0: overconfidence was based on the
1: uh the the old
0: qualifying regime where um actually only decent sides made it to the uh the euros uh, whereas now pretty much everyone in europe qualifies for the euros i mean there's uh how many countries in europe like 28 and 24 of them qualify <laughs>
1: Um, oh, that's really bad news for Danny Blint, isn't it, if that's the case.
0: Yeah, really bad news. Now, so quite a few um, of the smaller nations have qualified, uh, if that's the right way of putting it. Wales, Iceland, Northern Ireland. Uh, Republic could yet, I mean, they'll be in the playoffs, um, they could yet qualify. So it should be an interesting tournament, but we, we, we might get a few skewed results, I suppose, because some of the smaller nations. It's an expanded tournament. It's going to have a really weird format as well. But, but maybe that will be, be a bit more interesting because a few of the Euros in recent times have not been that
1: great. I thought we generally assume that the Euros are better because there's a higher standard of football. I, I thought that was generally why people were kind of against the expansion of including a bunch of new other teams in it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't remember too many of the recent ones being... I mean, high quality football, yeah, it's like an extension of the Champions League, isn't it? But but not being super exciting.
1: OK, I, I think this one's going to be good. Uh, Northern Ireland, uh, I mentioned from a United perspective, four United Academy products in, in the side there. Uh, Craig Kafkart, Paddy McNair, who... Did pick up a nasty injury, sadly, um, and also two other people whose name escaped me right at this very minute. But yeah, it was, it was nice to nice to there was a picture of them all lined up together. So the United Academy not, might not be producing um, millions of players for United, but we are propping up the home nations uh, when it comes to qualifying for the, champ, for the European Championships.
0: Yeah, apparently Paddy McNair got a Phil Jones-esque injury, rupturing a liver.
1: Yeah, I mean, how does that really, happen?
0: Yeah, that's... he spent three days in hospital, but uh, yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully not too long for the recovery there.
1: Yeah, um, I think he, it's an impact injury, isn't it? Because it's a broken rib um, and a ruptured liver, so it's just a a nasty one. The, the word "ruptured" is a word I hate to hear in in the context of the human body. It's like you just definitely don't want anything to rupture
0: tendons, um, knees, <laughs> livers,
1: yeah. None of Spleens. its gleams. Yeah. Also, anything internal is that's like, oh god, no. Intestines. Yeah. Right. Anyway, um, in lighter news, I, I tell you what, Seamus Coleman ruptured his asshole against Anthony Marshall. <laughs> I think the uh, the CSKA game is going to be incredibly tough. A draw would be a great result because they are a good team in really good form. And it's a long way away, um, and that that is kind of a big deal when it comes to travel. You'd expect us to beat them at home, but I think uh, I think it would be a, a huge result if we could pull off a win there. Huge, huge result,
0: yeah, um, yeah, totally. I mean, CSKA are not going to win the Champions League, uh, but they are a fine team uh, in fine form. They've got an excellent set of results this season. They've got some good players uh, back in the home. Um, Crowds. United are going to fly a long way and then have to fly a long way back as well. So um, after a, what should have been a tough game at Everton, so I guess it's a, that's the bonus there, isn't it? And a bo- certainly a bonus for United playing on Saturday rather than Sunday. Um, so yeah, tough one. A draw. A draw is it's very well. It's very important in the context of the group, given that United lost the opening game. But uh, it would be a very good result anyway in any context.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um... So, just doing a bit of very quick research, it looks like they might be somewhat vulnerable to giving up a lot of chances, which, if Martial's in form, could be dangerous for them. Uh, but they definitely just score a ton of goals, don't they? Um, and that's uh, that's that's going to be a big factor. De Gea will be busy. Oh, we didn't even mention De Gea's save, uh, his foot kung fu save against uh, Lukaku and his kind of punchy save from... Um, from Barkley's whipped shot from out wide. Such an asset to have him back there, isn't it? It's barely
0: any point talking about De Gea. He's excellent every week. Although he did flap a a couple. Well, I mean, he had Lukaku's elbow in his face (laughs) (laughs) while he was doing said flapping. But uh, yeah, no, he's excellent every week. It's it's much like we don't really need to talk about how bad Rooney is. We no no longer need to talk about how good Dave is.
1: All right. So before we preview the derby, uh, should we do some Twitter questions? Let's do it. All right. This one's just weird. At Rich Chilver, is Ander Herrera the new Park Ji-sung? I don't, I don't understand that. He does
0: run a lot, but... He, he runs a lot, and he's uh, an excellent excellent defensive forward. Uh, I think he's what this guy's talking about. Oh, OK. So he, he makes good tackles from uh, advanced positions.
1: So. But, I mean, Park Ji-sung was never a kind of creative maestro, was he? I, I will not have you talking ill of Park Ji-sung. No, he wasn't. Do you want to just, like, dig into the rankcast Cast archives when he still played for us to find plenty of examples of you talking ill of Park Ji song, Ed? Don't
0: know what you're talking about, mate. Let's move on.
1: <laughs> I don't understand this one either. At Nightwink 99, LVG got out of his seat yesterday. What will it take for Giggsy to do the same? Giggsy spends ages on the touchline. Especially at Old Trafford, he's just forever standing there in his little technical box. But yeah, yeah, he's um when when he was a player, Giggsy,
0: the the expression uh, on his face that I remember most is one of kind of confusion after he'd uh, dribble past six players and then shanked <laughs> yeah. across into the stand. Yeah, um, the expression on his face uh, while a coach is one of like dismissive <laughs>
1: anger. <Yeah>. You know, <laughs> he's like looking at players going, "I'd done better than that." <laughs> yeah. It's true though, isn't it? Most of the time. Van Gaal absolutely fuming, fuming at the referee, just going ballistic on the fourth official for about 30 seconds and then stopping and putting his arm around his shoulder and smiling. Just like he couldn't be more Dutch if he tried. At Torgia says, The Rugby World Cup is on, as we know. Both of us are pretty much ignoring that, but it is a thing. Of the Manchester United players, who would be the best rugby player and who would die first in a rugby match? I think Jesse Lingard might be the one who dies first in a rugby match. Oh God, that wouldn't be fair. I, you, you can imagine Rooney at prop. though. Yeah, absolutely. You? I think I think of everyone in the United side, if, if I wanted someone to play rugby, I think I'd either go with Bastian Schreinsteiger or Wayne Rooney, because they're both... Uh, Rooney's got the face for it, <laughs> definitely. At EGS76 says, was Memphis and Blind sat on the bench yesterday a reaction to the Arsenal defeat or were they rested ahead of midweek against Moscow? Uh, or, or the Dutch thing that you mentioned. Yeah. So the fact that they'd taken a... A good hammering in midweek and then knocked out the Euros. Yeah, I I think it's the total human being principle. I definitely don't think it was them being rested ahead of Moscow, though. I don't think that was about squad freshness. I think he was definitely trying to really, uh, you know, 15 meetings in the week, trying to come up with the best approach to this game to bounce back from Arsenal. At Tomzor says, At this point, have Chris Morning's great performances become the rule rather than the exception? Yeah. Most yeah, soon. yeah. Let's
0: uh I think we can stop talking about Smalling uh, becoming a, a really good player and you know pointing to his past failings and just say he's just a really good player.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That that definitely uh seems to be seems to be the case. It's 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 been a long long stretch and actually talking of uh, injuries, Chris Smalling has never played 2000 minutes uh, in a league season, but he's played an astronomical amount of the uh, the last, I, I can't remember the exact number, but he's played like three thousand of the last three thousand two hundred possible minutes of football for, for United or something, and basically ever since the the he came back from suspension after that City red card, he's been superb. At front row United says. Is uh, Nick Powell's lack of progress his fault or in part an indicator that the idea that United is the best team for supporting young talent uh, is uh, diminishing?
0: I don't think you can extrapolate from Nick Powell to a commentary on the club. You know, you can look at the last 10 years and, and say not enough players have come through uh, from the academy into the first team over the last 10 years, maybe the last 15 years. Uh, and that would be a fair commentary. He's got nothing to do with Nick Powell. I mean, Nick Powell's just basically just not good enough to make it at Premier League level. He had a shot at Leicester last season, barely played. So um, he he would do well to drop down a division, I think, and restart his career.
1: Yeah, there's stories doing around that he's kind of disenchanted with football and, you know, there was the thing that happened when he was on loan at Wigan and getting arrested for drink driving and stuff that makes you think there's perhaps something going on behind the scenes for Powell in terms of... Uh, you know his his own attitude and much like the Di Maria situation with Van Gaal last season there's a bit of six of one half a dozen the other in there isn't there so uh, at Eddie Rose 13 says is Smalling the next United captain Mm, no
0: idea could be I suppose you know he's become a leader on the pitch hasn't he I'm not really sure what he's like off the pitch apart from uh, silly fancy dress costumes you know he's he's now confident. He's a real leader. Um, he's uh, at least in terms of his playing style. He's taking control of that back four. So everything on the pitch is is top top quality at the moment. Uh, he's he's well spoken uh, in
1: media interviews. So you know maybe he could be. Maybe I think it's I think there's a, a definite chance. That could be could be the case. Uh, at Hannah May J says, as a supporter of another club who's been invited to attend a United game on the Stretford end, what can I do to blend in? So first of all, just to clarify for the listeners, this is not the support of the team that United will be playing in that game. It's the support of a, a different club altogether. I think to blend in on the Stretford end, what you have to make it abundantly clear that you do not care for Manchester City or Liverpool. And as long as you do that, I think you'll be welcomed with open arms. Yeah, well, uh, make a trip down to the Bishop's Place uh, a couple (laughs) hours before the game, learn all the songs, and then you're good. Yeah, that totally works. There are a lot of songs. That is the one thing that you can say for United uh, you know, fans. There's a, bit, a very big repertoire of songs. So if you learn learn the calypso, I'd say I'd say actually that's like got to be one of the the key ways to fit in. If you know all the words of the calypso and you can deliver it at 180 beats a minute or whatever, you'll be all right. Very good. Um. All right. So, uh, I guess that brings us to. Talking of the Stretford end, they will be in superb voice, no doubt, as we prepare for the arrival on Sunday next week, a week today as we record this, of Manchester City absolutely flying at the moment. A huge test for Van Gaal and his
0: boys. Yeah, really. Five against Bournemouth, uh, six against Newcastle and one at Borussia Gladbeck before that. You know, in fine for Weird, weird city, though, because they had that kind of weird blip where they got spanked at Spurs uh, and lost at home to West Ham. So some inconsistency this season, but flying at the moment. Uh, question marks over uh, David Silva's fitness, of course, key player. Uh, will he be back for the derby? Uh, is Aguero fit for the derby? Um there's, uh, so, you know, two really key players there, but it's just clicking for them at the moment up front. Kevin De Bruyne has, has made a big difference. Raheem Sterling seems to have put it all together as a package in a way that he didn't very often do at Liverpool. So in an attacking sense, they're pretty frightening at the moment. Yeah,
1: I mean, Aguero and Silva being out would be huge. Um, but, but with De Bruyne and Sterling, as you say, plenty of options. I think, um, I don't want to kind of curse this or whatever, but... You'd fancy Jones and Smalling against Wilfred Boney a lot more than uh, Bournemouth's back four. And you'd fancy them against Boney a lot more than you'd fancy them against Aguero, I guess.
0: Yeah, well, the thing, the thing with Boney is, you know, he's he's got all the attributes of a top striker. He's bags and bags of pace. He's a very good finisher and uh, he's strong in the air and he's, you know, he's obviously physically very able. Um, his movement's not as good as Aguero's. And, you know, Aguero's movement is, if not the best of any striker on the planet, then he's got to be close to it. Um, and that's why he gets in the right positions all the time. And he's obviously a fantastic finisher. Yeah? So, you know, I think if if anything does for Smalling and Jones, it's their positional sense on occasion. Uh, and Aguero would certainly test that more than Boney. So, yeah, let's hope so. Anyway, you know, more straightforward challenge, I think, if if you can call it that. Um But the movement of of Sterling and De Bruyne is, is awesome too you know they're able to switch wings at will um they're both create and both score um De Bruyne's numbers are already very good this season so you know four four starts one substitute appearance and he's created or scored or had a hand in six goals right so and that's what he did at Wolfsburg he just puts up fantastic numbers um and and bags of pace so it's certainly going to test United in a defensive sense
1: it's going to be really interesting how City approach this game and, and where they're at mentally, because their season has been a little bit roller rollercoastery already. It looked like they'd won the league by the third week of the season, basically. And then sort of briefly, it looked like, oh, actually maybe they'll, um, maybe they will not be impervious as they march towards inevitable glory. Yeah. But then it's all clicked again in spite of a bunch of injuries. So that's, that's the bit that's a kind of worrying about what goes, what's going to go on in this game. Last season of course we really blitzed them i mean they they started really strongly scored that that early goal and then united kind of got a fairly lucky goal and then were just by far the best team for the rest of that game it's going to be a real real surprise if united are by far the best team in this game i'd say uh, how do you rate the midfield matchups Well, it's going to be interesting.
0: I mean, I'm going to guess that City will play something very similar to the the way they played against Bournemouth. That that appears to be the two, doesn't it? Fernandinho and Toure. And uh, Sterling played a little bit behind Boney as a kind of number 10 he could do that or he could go wide, uh, depending on whether Nasri or Navas plays. Navas have been playing most, uh, most of those. But yeah, Torrey and Fernandinho versus, I guess, Schneidlin and Schweinsteig is going to be a really, really good test, isn't it? You know, for once, um, you wouldn't definitely say that. Tory and and who whatever partner is definitely going to have the upper hand, you know. I think uh, it's going to be a it's going to be a good test. And they're not the kind of nippy buzzy little imps buzzing around them that that was Arsenal, um, either. So a bit more of a standard test. And I assume that Van Hal will not make the same mistake again. And he's not going to play Carrick and Schweinsteiger in there, although he could do and get away with it um if Herrera's there as well
1: um against City just because of the nature of the players they're going to be matched up against yeah and you'd think that from an attacking perspective United are going to definitely find some joy uh, in that side matter big games at home that these these are good good for one matter who has gone off the boil since his remarkable uh, September performances? Been pretty average in his last couple of games, but that's no indicator that he will be average again. Because he is entirely like his whole United career is basically him pulling out amazing moments uh, amidst. He's not. He doesn't dominate game after game, does he? But he he's a player for a big moment sometimes. So so that's a, a huge thing. Martial m- massive again, and you wonder whether. I mean, this will never happen, but I just would love to see a front three of Memphis, Martial and Mata, if Memphis can find some form. Yeah, I don't think it's going to
0: happen, because um, um, Rooney will definitely play. Uh, so, uh, I, I, I mean, Mata and Martial could also play, but... I don't think Memphis
1: and Herrera will both play. No, the so this this brings us to a kind of interesting general question of like when is Memphis going to get back in the team? Um, When he starts uh,
0: performing, I guess you know he's going to have to indicate to to Van Hull that he's he's I mean he's played 13 out of the last 14 games, Memphis. So yeah, that's the first time he's dropped, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So um, he's going to have to make some indication to Van Hull that he's 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 ready to get in the side again. You know, it's it's difficult when Martial. Being so good to to see him coming in on the left, if if uh, Rooney playing up front is what's going to happen now. But then again, you know, we had this debate at the beginning of the season that Rooney would be playing up front, and he was really bad. Uh, and Martial came along, and Rooney had to play at ten. So, um, and that's the thing, you know. So if, if Van Gaal decides he wants to bring Memphis back into the side, and he clearly has a lot of faith in him, clearly um and he may have been dropped because of performances or which haven't been great or or because of what happened with the Dutch team um if he wants to bring him back into the side the only logical thing is that um that Herrera is dropped and and Martial plays at 9 and and really plays at 10 yeah
1: absolutely um and i don't think anyone wants to see that happening uh, for the time being, except maybe Memphis. No. Uh, some interesting choices at the back, though, the converse
0: to that uh, for City, right? So, Otamendi and Mangala played uh, against Bournemouth and, and company's on the bench and company's not had a great sort of 12 months, really, has he? But he's their captain... And he has had some big moments against United in the past.
1: He has, but he was pretty bad, if I remember rightly, in the derby at Old Trafford last season. And he started the season really strongly, but clearly dipped again if he's if he's been left on the bench, unless somehow he's being saved for bigger games ahead. Um, no, nah, he was on the bench
0: against, uh, or oh, maybe he didn't even make the bench against Newcastle. So, you know, he, I mean, he's had injury problems as well with Campbell. Yeah. He's not the force of old at the moment.
1: No, and, and you know, Otamendi, a. a player a lot of United fans wanted at United including me I have to say not totally taken like a duck to water the Premier League yet but there's a long long way to go uh, for that one and, and Mangala is growing into the job at City you know arrived at huge expense and didn't do too well last season so but but he does seem to be improving this season
0: huge expense to a very large number of weird third parties <laughs> yes
1: quite um uh, but yeah, so uh, they're definitely pretty good. And, and their fullback situation is interesting. Kolarov's been playing really well this season, but is he injured? Yeah, yeah, he was.
0: And Sanya played at left back, which, which would be interesting because M- Mata cutting inside on his left foot versus Sanya on his right foot would, uh, would be a, a weird inverse right wing left yeah. back.
1: Type situation. It would, and tipsters probably... all
0: over the world will love it.
1: <laughs> it's kind of doesn't really favour Mata though, does it? That one. That's it's kind of you don't really you kind of want a right-footed full left back against against Mata, I guess. But anyway, um, it's occasionally like Van Gaal's a little bit obsessed with which foot players prefer. So like he might definitely you can just see him like switching it up and playing Mata somewhere else and playing somebody right-footed out there to take advantage of that. But anyway, we'll see. Um, yeah, what's your kind of current optimism pessimism scale for for that game in particular?
0: Uh, now you're you're normally the one who sits on the fence with these, so it's somewhere in the middle, <laughs> basically. Uh, but only because you know I, I find it hard to tell you which United side is going to turn up uh, next week, and I also find it very hard to work out. Um, where Van Gaal is going to have his little mini stroke and do something <laughs> weird, yeah. Um, so something weird could definitely happen in that game. You know, he could suddenly decide that that uh, Dave is going to play up front. It could happen. No, he he won't do that. Well, he could do. He could do. Could do. You know, there there will be some logic somewhere of some bizarre decision, and and that could affect the game. But you know, United at home, uh, the better performances under Van Gaal have definitely been at home. Um, uh, you know, there've been in fact it's pretty rare that United have performed as well as they did at Everton away from home under Van Gaal. Maybe even the best performance away from home under Van Gaal. So yeah,
1: that and Anfield last season. Yeah, it's got to be it.
0: Um, so the better ones have come at home. They're, you know, the record against the bigger sides is good. Um, and so that all points
1: to United uh, putting in a strong performance. Yeah. Uh, okay. So it's that time in the show where we predict what happens in the two games to come. What what did we predict last time out? Uh I think I predicted a loss against Arsenal that's what I remember and but that's we didn't predict the Everton game because we were supposed to do at least like seven podcasts in between then and now. I I think that we'll get a draw in Moscow. I think I think a scoring draw two all. There you go. Two all in Moscow. And I think we'll nick it. I think we'll nick the derby. Two one. There you go. <sighs> Bold. Um, I'm going to say one all in Moscow. It just feels
0: like a one all type game, doesn't it? Okay. Um, no, it feels like a two all type oh, game. Just, just, <laughs> just so wrong. It's so wrong.
1: <laughs> it's a one. It's got one all written all one over all it. One all written
0: all over it. That game, and uh, I can't see Sydney not scoring at Old Trafford.
1: So I'm going to say
0: four three to United. Michael Owen to win it in the last minute. <laughs>
1: I know it did. I know it did. You know it did. Uh, thank you very much for listening to another episode of the Rankcast. We, we'll, all being well, we'll be back next week as normal uh, to look back on the Derby and um, the Moscow game and look forward to whatever on earth it is that's coming up after that. Middlesbrough and Palace, I think. Yeah, if you want to get us in the meantime, you know where to find us. And uh, we really appreciate all your support. And to everyone that asked where the podcast was in the week in between, um, it's always nice to be missed. And yeah, we will see you next week.